Welcome to Active Endeavors Podcast, a place where extraordinary people have the voice explore and express their creative and active pursuits on top of the rigors of their daily life. I am Linus. And I am Michelle. Hi guys, welcome back. Today we are having Michelle's swim coach, TJ Moran. Tell us more about TJ, Michelle. Yeah, so we met through swimming. Um, TJ actually helped me a lot in the beginning of my triathlon career. Um, and he taught me just the basics of swimming. And he it's awesome because he's actually a swim coach for Niles North High School. And he also coaches for CrossFit. I am so excited to have TJ on today. I'm so looking forward to you know learning more about how he's balancing life and work during this pandemic. TJ is really all about the process and the journey, so I'm excited to hear more about how he's handling everything. Perfect, here's TJ. Hi Linus, hi Michelle, how's it going today? How's it going? Thank you for coming to our podcast and allowing us to interview you. In a short snippet, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I was uh, born and raised on the north side of Chicago, uh, moved out to the suburbs uh, early teen years, and uh, let's see, I'm married, I married my high school sweetheart, we have, uh, we have our, our son, uh, who is uh, special needs, he's got fragile X, and I've been a son coach for about 20 years, so I think that includes everything that I do in my life. <laughs> what do you, where do you um, coach for swimming? So currently I am the uh, head girls coach, assistant boys coach over at Niles North High School. Uh, I also help run the club team Swift Aquatics that go out of Niles North and Niles West, and we help the uh, the area get better. Very, very cool. So, wow, 20 years, that's pretty amazing. It's all at Niles, Niles North this whole time? Um, my entire, so at Niles North, I've been there 11 years. I first started at uh, the Jewish Community Center was my first job as a swim, swim instructor. And then I went up to the lifeguard and they started a small swim team there. So I started, I helped start their little swim team there. And then I wound up, landing at the Leaning Tower YMCA. Mm, okay. And then uh, I was at the Leaning Tower YMCA for a year or two. Then I went to Ladoff for a year or two, went back to Leaning Tower Y. And at that point, the uh, the district wanted to start their own club team. They hired a lot of us that were Leaning Tower to start that club team. So we wound up uh, starting Swiss Aquatics and that was 11 or 12 years ago too. So yeah, it's been, it's been a good ride. No, excuse me, that's been nine years. We started that in 2011, so yeah. Wait, so I did a Leaning Tower triathlon every was it in may or june before they used to yeah, have may or june yeah i did that one year i think in 2011. wow so that was supposed to be 2008 or two yeah 2008 was supposed to be my first triathlon actually oh okay um my wife and i were, were going to train for the for the leaning tower y one these were both working there at the time and then that's when i actually uh broke both my ankles so <laughs> that, that, that definitely took a different <laughs> turn at that point in my life so were you swimming competitively in most of your life? And swimming is is yeah. one of those sports that, for me, sometimes feels very mind-numbing, staring at a black line for hours on end. I mm-hmm. thought, like, you know, I mean, I, I grew up surrounded by water in the Philippines, so I'm very yeah. comfortable with water, although I do not have that proper swim training at all. But now that when I got into triathlons and suddenly learned to swim, and I looked into all the training stuff that real swimmers do for a race that doesn't last even a minute. I'm like, seriously? So, mm-hmm. I, I, have you start? Have you swam since you were a child? 
So I've always been around water through camps and stuff like that. I uh. didn't get into organized swimming until I was in high school. At that point, I didn't. I wasn't even that good. <laughs> but uh, I stayed with it. And then later through high school, I wound up getting a job at uh, Leaning Tower Y, which I found out my mom's friend of like 50 years at the time was a head coach ah. over at uh, over at a local high school. So I, I had the opportunity, if I wanted to, growing up to be a swimmer my whole entire life, but I never ever it never we never connected those dots. So I didn't competitively start swimming until I was in high school. Around how old were you when you broke those ankles? Because that's a I think I didn't realize how important ankles were until you start swimming because you really need them to be flexible <laughs> like a fin, right? But you yeah. broke them. How, how did that happen? I broke both uh, about when I was 25 years old. Yeah, 25 years old. I, I shattered my calcaneus on my left leg and my talus bone on my right. And if you're going to break, break a bone, you don't want to break a talus bone because that's not going to heal. Like, oh. ever. Ouch. So, so how did you... Tell us how you broke yeah. your ankles. <laughs> um, we had, uh, it, was, it was the end of the state meet, and we had a really good meet, so uh, I went home early from the meet. That, that Sunday morning, I was decided that uh, me and my buddy were going to go climbing at, his buddy's, at our buddy's house. He's got a little climbing wall in his house. So we were climbing in there all day, and then my sister calls me and says, hey, listen, you're going to go see Dad play downtown. This is the day before Thanksgiving, excuse me, St. Patrick's Day. And so I said, sure, let's go down. We'll go down to the south side. I'll go watch him play. We drove all the way down. I got like five friends of mine. We all drove down the south side to go watch a play. He wasn't there. So we wound up like eating a quick meal. And then I was walking outside. I still had that climbing bug. So I decided to climb the wall that was right next to the place that we were at. And then I launched for the top and the whole thing started to shift. So I bailed and I wound up at least sticking my feet underneath me to break my fall. But then I broke both my legs. Wait, so was this like a real climbing wall or like just a wall? No, it's everybody's it was, making... It was, it was, I mean, the way I, I could I could explain it to you is, you know how skateboarders look at everything as something they can skate on? Climbers have a very similar uh, itch to, to, to scratch once in a while. And I was definitely young, naive, and invincible at the time of my life. Oh so, my God. <laughs> a very humbling experience. Oh my gosh. So how long, I think Lenore was there, yeah? Yes, Lenore was there, my cousin Shannon was there, a bunch of friends of ours were there, and literally, yeah, it was, breaking your leg on the south side of Chicago wasn't the best thing to do. Um, we actually got into a, uh, a hospital, they didn't want to touch me. They didn't want to, they didn't want to mess with me at all. They waited for uh, a specialist to come a day or two later, so I laid in the hospital with two broken legs for about a day or two. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was fun, good time. <laughs> uh, How long uh, was that recovery process? I mean, so I was in a wheelchair for about three months uh, walking, and then I could start walking after about three or four months after that. So, and then my right leg healed like crooked. Ooh. So it, it, it didn't it didn't take well. Another surgery, they tried to stretch the tendon so it straightened it out. That didn't work so well. Another year and a half later, I wound up seeing a great doctor that wound up re-breaking my leg, straightening it out, fusing the bottom. And uh, that was 2011, I believe, that that happened, March of 2011. So, yeah, I mean, so it took, what, 2008, 2011, I had three or four different surgeries. And then at that point, I started doing a lot more rehab. And, and I think that August of 2011, I just said no more to the cane. And I stopped walking with a cane, and, and I just started trying to figure it out. Wow, that is really amazing. Like, I can't even imagine that whole process. Like, how do you get from, like, feeling sorry for yourself and being like, oh my God, the world is ending. Like I'll never be able to walk again. Like 
what was the doctors telling you and how did you overcome that mindset of like forget the canes I'm walking today I spent a lot of time by myself in the basement so there was there was that time of you know feeling sad for yourself and is life going to ever change I thought you know right when it happened like yep I broke it I'll be back in six or eight weeks or whatever it was I think it was six to eight months and through the process I was like taking a shower and I couldn't even stand up on my leg like it's just point I had to accept that I wasn't ever going to be the same I had the last surgery and then I went in for a follow-up and I could feel my calf stretch and I couldn't feel my calf stretch for like two years three years so when you feel so you you know that that, you know when you feel like you stretch your calf out and imagine not feeling that for two or three years and I felt it and at that point I knew it was going to be it wasn't going to be great I mean the doctor said I'd never run again when I went into that last surgery I said I can't even walk straight you think I'm really worried about running again? He says, well, you're not going to be able to go snowboarding or climbing or, or do anything that you used to do. And I said, okay. I just let him say it because I knew that if I could find a way, I would find a way. Um, and so I would, I'll never forget because we just got our dog at the point. Uh, 2008, we had just got, gotten our puppy and, and uh, all I wanted to do was walk her. That was, that was my only goal, is if I could just walk my dog. Wait, so what kind of dog was that this? That was what I did for my rehab, is I would just go a little bit farther, or stay out a little bit longer, and I would just keep pushing that limit every day, and to the point where I go on like mile walks with the dog all the time. So what kind of dog do you get? Uh, sure. Chocolate Lab. Ah, okay, okay. So, you know, that's a very mobile and active dog, too. Yeah, very, very big. We got her as a pup. So she, she was born in 2007. We got her that December. And then I fell that following March. So, so she had a lot of energy to get out. What's the dog's name? Curious. Bailey. Oh, that's a good name. See, last... Bailey. Remember Jen last week? Yeah. Yeah, dog's name is also Bailey. Bailey. <laughs> so also Oh, so Bailey kind of... Name. Actually, my, my father helped me name it. It was between Bailey and Tara. And uh, he said that's a Bailey. So, did you th- do you think that uh, having that dog, despite sometimes feeling like okay, th- it's an added responsibility on top of trying to heal yourself physically speaking, do you think that aided you in in a certain way emotionally coping with this injury? Oh, of course. Like I said, I spent a lot of time by myself in the basement, which is me and Bailey for a lot of it. it. She definitely helped me through it. And 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 now that you're saying that, it's like would would my life be would I be where I am right now if I didn't have to walk Bailey every day? Yeah. Or at least make it my job to walk her at least once a day. Because it was it was it fell on my wife to do a lot of the a lot of the walking, a lot of the a lot of the dog chores. So yeah, I mean would I be here? I don't know. That's a great that's a very oh. I've never ever thought of that. Yeah. I've never ever thought of that. It made me cry, Linus. That's awesome. <laughs> I wanna meet Bailey. I see Bailey on your so I'm friends with TJ and Lenore his wife on Instagram. So I see a lot of Bailey walks with Trey now. Trey walking yeah, Trey, Bailey. Trey, and now. Trey won't let us walk Bailey. Oh. <laughs> it's my turn. See, with this like whole pandemic, it, you, you realize how important pets are all of a sudden in the greater scheme of things because it's a good thing that people are fostering puppies and cats all of a sudden because mm-hmm. you know they need that sense of support. I think that's one of the best like, things that I heard is like all these shelters are like empty mm-hmm. because of this. Yeah, you know, so all the like I, I thought that was one of the one of the silver linings about this whole pandemic. Yeah, the only thing I'm really hoping for is that for those people, they should not be returning those fostered pets after this thing comes down. Yeah, you know the ankle is really a big deal when it comes to swimming. 
How yeah. how long did it take you back from being able to walk normally again to finally it's like you know what okay it's time to get back into water again? I I use the water as a lot of my therapy. Uh, that's mm, okay. when I always when, right. I I show up before practice when I could finally get in the water. Just work on walking in the water. Um, work on trying to you know just try to try to get normal. I don't know. You've never seen me walk that much last. I can't walk normally. Like if if you watch me walk, I hyperextend my right knee. And it's like, you need to actually watch me to okay. actually see it. It's not so outright anymore. And I have a little bit of orthotics in my right foot, but I'll never swim the same way again. Because like you said, like my, my right foot is fused mm. and my left, my left can point really well, but it can't flex really well. So uh, like I have two opposite ankles yeah, uh, yeah. when it comes to it. So I have one really good breaststroke ankle and one really good golfing dick ankle, <laughs> but I don't have, I don't have, I don't have two ankles working together. But, but so, like, he's so still I'm, a fast swimmer, regardless of all of that. <laughs> you you figured out a way to, despite your injury, like you're still an amazing swimmer. So you don't really... Uh, amazing is, that's a relative term, I guess. Uh, I mean, like, <laughs> if you want to put me against, like, it was funny, I did like an alumni meeting, and you put me against swimmers that, that have the same experience as me, they're going to be loads faster. But that's okay. Part of the thing is like understanding that I'm not going to, maybe I won't get to as fast as I was, or I won't get to as strong as I was, but all right, this is, this, this is my new PR. I get a whole bunch, I get, I get to reset all my PRs now. Aww. And so like, this is the fastest I've gone since this point and stuff like that. And that's, and that's something to keep me motivated, something to keep back of your mind. Do you, uh, did you swim through college, I guess? No, I went to, I went to Oakland Community College. Oh, okay. I swim team there. And then, uh, I took like a, a weird gap lifetime year and so like, <laughs> yeah like i didn't i didn't wind up swimming in college i still worked though and that, that was the best thing i think it was the 2004 olympics that got me kind of back into the sport a lot more it was great i mean watching i, I did take a little bit of a break from coaching too i went and i worked retail or something like that yeah. but it was like the 2004 olympics it's like no like come back we got you we're gonna have some fun See, I was just thinking, like, since you weren't a retailer, you seem to be the type who's very Abercrombie. Were you one of those guys outside Abercrombie and <laughs> no, Fitch? No, really? I can't what's, what's, no, I can't see him in Abercrombie either. Um, no, I worked at a REI, Recreational Equipment Inc. Okay, that's more That was fitting. my other that, guess. That's, that's I'm like, Cabela's or was, REI? I, I or... love that place. I yeah. love that place. I, I, have, I have very fond memories working there. I still talk to a lot of friends that I used to work there with. Uh, I still go on trips with a few of them, too, so... Oh, very, very cool. Have you been to the new REI store in Chicago? The one on, what street is that on? Blackhawk now? Flyborn? It's not Flyborn anymore. Flyborn? Is it? They moved it next to the Whole Foods, so it's a bigger one yeah, by the so river. Yeah, right off the right off the riverfront, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's a beautiful store. REI is not the same company that it was when I worked for it, but it's, it's a beautiful store now, so it's, they're, they're doing very good stuff. So, TJ, it actually helped me tremendously with my swimming. You know my swimming with my background and how I didn't know how to swim. Yeah. And he was very integral in that he coached me and how to properly swim. I haven't <laughs> hit the water for so long, but anyway, that's besides <laughs> the point. So you are an amazing coach, even from firsthand experience. Like how did you transition from swimming for yourself to becoming a coach and you know you had mentioned 2004 olympics and and how it reeled you back in like what was it about coaching that you wanted to go back to i mean i grew up in the uh in the last dance age where you know michael jordan and, and and all them and i was always bill jackson always got me like 
the fact that he can get all these people together and do everything that he's doing has he has an impact in every one of them. For some reason, he always just sat with me. And then swimming, I kind of started coaching. And you know, when you're an early coach, when you're learning how to do this stuff, you just want to work with the best kids. You just want to do this. It took me a while. You know, maybe the injury helped me with all that stuff. But you know, learning the process, understanding the process. I have two instances that I can think of that really shaped how I started to coach people and, and really focus on the process. The first one was Christian Arriaga. He was a former athlete of ours. He was never the fastest swimmer, but man, did that kid work hard. He was such a hard worker and always wanted to get better. He only swam 15 weeks a year. Unfortunately, he contracted cancer and, and got really sick. And, and we had this big, you know, fundraiser thing for him where we were at the restaurant and he, and he stood up and he, and he said, to thank you to the swim coaches because he gave him the, 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 the strength to keep pushing on and gave him the know-how to find that strength to keep pushing on. And here, like the three guys, me, my, my, my buddy Paul and Seth, we're all like in tears over here because yeah. we only see him 15 weeks a year before. I mean, like he barely got the varsity his senior year. And so it's like, it's like, you know what? It's not about the fastest kids. It's, it's never about those kids. It's about making the impact and, and finding the reason to make somebody else's life better. And then I was coaching the JV girls team and high school JV girls where they just didn't care. They're on JV. Who cares? Yeah. No one cares about us, blah, blah, blah. We're just here to have fun, blah, blah. I said, no, we're here to become better. So we had to just, we literally, every practice, we sat and talked for 10 or 15 minutes. Just let them talk it out and da, 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 let them out and then... We came up with goals together. I said, listen, I don't, we don't need to be better than varsity or better than the other team. We just need to be better on our own. And the only place we're going against is ourselves. So let's start putting that forward and try to become 1% better each day. And like, we just had such a great group back then that like literally by the end of the season, I had an army behind me. And we did have kids that were faster than varsity by the end of the season. And we did have, we did some great things, but it started with them believing in themselves and them pushing to be better every day. That's, those are the two big things that I think. And then obviously becoming a father myself changed my coaching a lot. And, and you know, finding CrossFit helped me become a better coach too. But those are the, the two biggest ones for those two. Yeah, I think um, I failed to mention CrossFit. I, you know, TJ is also a CrossFit coach. And I think what's amazing, even from my firsthand experience, is you actually made me believe in myself. You just have a way of like doing that. And I just thank you so much. And I see it now with just the two stories that you shared with us. I can see that, you know, these kids, the impact that you make in their lives. I'm going to cry. <laughs> I'm not going to cry. It's okay. It's, it's amazing. I know. God, I'm such a sap. Anyway. Um, but yeah, like, no, I, I really like, I appreciate that about you. And I think like, obviously the kids see it and feel it and, you know, enough to like even share it during that, that first kid that you were talking about. Um, it's just really amazing, you know, and how did you learn to do that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, it's I just think so charming. And, approach, yeah. Approach, you need to build that relationship. Mm -hmm. um, the relationship is, is the first and foremost thing. Being a coach, you're asking someone to do something that they don't want to do. You want to do it, but you don't want to do it. You know what I'm saying? And so you've got to be able to build that relationship with the person and, and understand what their goals are. Uh, taking myself out of it as, as a person, like I, of course, have goals for all my athletes, but at the end of the day, it's them doing the work. It's them in the front lines. I'm just here to support. I think that a lot of coaches have, oh, it's all about me. And it's not. We 
because the, the, the kids are doing the work. And that, that's, that's the crazy thing about our sport. And I mean, and on, the, on the other side, you know, like as a as being a coach, like we get blamed for all the stuff that goes wrong, but when stuff goes right, it's not, oh, it's just the athlete, you know, so it's like <laughs> a different balancing act. That's kind of, you know, what we do. Sometimes I, I, I talk to some people I know who coach anybody. I think one of their gripes also sometimes is that if something goes right from the athlete's point of view, the athlete's like, oh, okay, I, whatever, PR, I did this, whatever. Yeah. Everything's good, right? Everything's kosher. And then if something goes wrong, it's like, oh, my coach didn't tell me to do this. My coach, like, how, how do you get over it? I mean, because Michelle has been bugging me about stuff in general before her first Iron Man last year, like literally <laughs> so, every day, rewind, rewind, every day rewind. of the so week. So Iron Man, okay, <laughs> a little bit about Linus. He's a, a, an amazing triathlete. Like, he's super fast. Like, he just feels like he just, he just knows about everything about no, everything about triathlon so i asked him <laughs> to help me prepare for my ironman madison so that's where all of this <laughs> but i would have never blamed you if i didn't finish well true but it's, it's not me because <laughs> i never coached you anyway see that's the thing how, how do you how do I you i had a lot of coaches how do you manage to okay to literally especially i think kids are more malleable and more accepting i suppose i think it's harder for adults in general to be more accountable of their own actions sometimes how do you put that in them like hey listen you do the work i just tell you what to do but if something goes i mean things are going to go wrong like there's never ever a plan that you can write out that's going to go exactly how you write it out yeah um and that's and that's understanding that everything is a process like like that's the biggest thing and that's that's what i i mean i do these mindset monitors with kids that's the biggest thing they have to understand that everything is a process. Even if it didn't go right, that's part of the process. We need to understand why it didn't go right because then, okay, then we can make adjustments for the future. If it didn't go right and you're sitting there, well, the coach has been telling me to keep my head down for however long and I still don't keep my head down. Oh, but why is what you telling me to do at this time? I mean, there is personal responsibility and understanding that it's, for me, educating the athlete, this is your journey. I'm here to help you. I'm trying to help you in this way. If you don't see the point, then it's okay. I mean, I, I get into, I get the constant, you know, I don't want to say arguments, but I get the constant, you know, discussions with people like, well, I want to change and do, then change. Like, like you just, yeah. you have to do it. Like, yeah. and yes, it's going to be hard. Yes. It's going to be difficult. Yes. You're going to have to pay a super amount of attention to it, but as, as you do it, the more you do it, the more it becomes a habit, the more it's a habit, the more it's ingrained, and then it's, then it's second nature. You're doing it because it's easy, you're doing it this way because it's easy, and this way it's hard. Choose the hard path. True, true. So, do you think it's easier to, obviously, physically speaking, kids are able to absorb it quicker? You think it's easier to teach kids swimming yeah, in general? Yeah, versus like adults in CrossFit, for example. Like, what are the challenges that you've seen I guess with the Everything ages. Everything has other challenges. I mean, like, there's nothing, there's no, there's no, like, light switch that says, oh, this is the best part about it. <laughs> the best part about coaching adults is because they have a lot of life experience that they bring to the table. Mm. And that you can actually sit there and pull from those life experiences and bring them into their current situation. And when they're feeling down on themselves, hey, listen, remember that time where you couldn't do this and I believed that you could? You can do this. And then you do it. You know what I mean? With kids, there's a lot of, trust building that goes on as well 
But with kids, I mean, for some kids, like 12 and under, some of them are built to run through a brick wall if you ask them to do that. And it, it's more fun for that, right? That's why I love coaching kids, especially the 12 and under, mm. that don't have jobs, that don't have the, the high school drama, that don't have that, because they have, they, because they are malleable. They are, they are more fun to play with. It is fun. It is easier to get them up and get them going and then showing them, hey, look, you did this, and you did this, and you did this. And it's okay that this didn't work because all these things did work. Um, with adults, it's a little bit harder to find those to find those carrots and stuff like that. Like, I love finding the carrot that, that helps push to motivate people. You know, when, you know, Michelle, it was easy to motivate you. You wanted to do this. Like, I, I've taken a lot of I didn't of want to die. <laughs> But I've taken a lot of people on adult lessons. I go, listen, the way this works is I'll work with you for an hour or whatever it is, but you got to do some work on your own. And a lot of those adults would just come to me for an hour and they wouldn't do anything on their own. Mm. Where you would sit there, you'd be back in the pool two days later working on stuff that we talked about. You'd send me videos and stuff like that. And so that was like, that's why it worked because it was important to you. And, 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 and understanding the why that they're there and making it important to the athlete is, is, is very important. So, yeah, I guess that, yeah, I, I, I keep on hearing that with a whole slew of people too. Like, oh, okay, I got a swim lesson here. I was like, okay, how long was I ago? Like two weeks ago. I was like, what have you done? It's like, I'm waiting for a next session, like next week. I'm like, so you haven't been in the water <laughs> no for like three yeah. weeks? I was just having a conversation with my athletes, a couple, two different conversations. One, one, one's like, well, I, I work out like a half hour twice a week. That's good, right? I'm like, mmm. <laughs> <laughs> you, well, sometimes you worked out with me out when you were in season six days a week, and you think two days a week you're gonna build strength that way? I said at least add one more day, <laughs> at least have an every other day type of mentality. But it was like, well, no, it's two days is fine. I'm like, eh, not really. Oh man! Especially with swimming, the the more I realize that, the more I swim, too, you get that feel of the water, and it's really important not to lose that feel of the water because I think I read somewhere from. When Michael Phelps was training into, which one's the last Olympics again? Remind me. Rio. Rio. Yeah. yeah. When he was going, I think it was before Rio. Anyway, one of those Olympics that he would not miss a day because if he missed one day, it's like three steps back. So every day was always something. Yeah. Um. I mean, when you want to get to that level, it's I true. Mean, Phelps. I mean, it was, uh, I think it was either the book Atomic Habits or The Act of the Habit. I can't remember which book it was, but he had everything down to a T. Like, What's the name of the book again? At the same I'm... time. So The Act of the Habit, I think is what I'm talking about, where, he, where they were referencing Michael Phelps. But Atomic Habits by James Pearson is also a great book. Just the idea of, like, he, he had everything down to a T. What, he, what time he'd wake up, what he would eat for breakfast, what time he would get in the water for a warm-up swim in the morning. What and he rehearsed everything. So then, if one thing was out of place, well, then the rest of the thing would get him to the end of the day. Like, like it was 2008, where his goggles filled with water yeah. in the middle of the 200 butterfly, and he literally had to swim his race blind, blind yeah. and he just relied on feel and stroke count, and he wow. just knew yeah. exactly where he had to be, and he still got a world record. Yeah, like that's amazing. Like, and that, that, I love using that story for my kids. I'm like, Michael Phelps could still break a world record with water in his goggles. You could finish a 25. <laughs> <laughs> True. But now, now we're talking about Olympics. Uh, what, what, what work did you do in the, in the leading to the 2004 Olympics? Uh, like I said, I, I was in retail. I was doing a bunch of odd jobs. I think I was working with my dad for a little bit at that point, too. Um, 
I, you know, like when you're that age, what you're, for so like three years out of high school, like you had to figure out, you know, you know, a lot of us don't know what we're going to do then. Yeah. So I would, I'll, I'll never forget those in the living room. And I was like, I, I, I hadn't even thought about swimming. And it was the 2004 Olympics and I just saw Phelps doing his thing. And, and I was just like, all right, I got to get back on the pool deck somehow. And that's when I started reaching out to my contacts and I got an Ed Ladd off and then followed up with Leaning Tower. And then it just kind of echoed from there again. It's amazing how like our choices just kind of pave our path, you know? Um, but I have a question about this whole pandemic. Like what mm -hmm. have you been doing with the kids? Like not being able to Ugh. swim, Ugh. going in the pool. I know you just barely, barely got back in the pool, which is I, amazing. You, you can zoom a, a pool session. Yeah, like what have you been doing for the kids to keep their motivation up, to keep like... Just... We've been doing this. This is my life right now, staring at a screen. Literally, we like this morning, we had a 715 dry land. This is where I, I ran the kids through a bunch of push-ups, sit-ups, and squats, and stuff like that. We did a game night last night where I had the kids come on. We were, we're supposed to be the Olympics right now. Yeah. I had the kids, we were doing Olympic type of a cahoot for Olympics. And uh, coming up with talks, like taking the books that I've read, like Atomic Habits or like The Rise of Superman and all this stuff, and just taking these books and making it digestible for the kids and go, listen, I just read this book. This is what I learned in this book. This is what we can do to apply this book to what we're doing now. And just doing talks like that and, and just getting the kids to know each other a little bit more. And last week, I let the kids run the Zoom. I said, okay, you guys do whatever you want to do. Oh. We had a cooking demonstration with uh, with milk and cereal. What goes in the bowl first? And we had an argument over that. And we had, uh, That's funny. We had uh, one girl try to do origami online and try to teach us all how to do origami. Another one had us doing scavenger hunts in our house, trying to find water bottles and like things that started with the letter K, which, by the way, ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> Not catsup. Just yeah, kidding. Catsup. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a lot challenging much more now like just keeping everything going like through zoom and 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 stuff like that but what has been your i guess biggest challenge with the kids as a coach during the pandemic getting them to talk more mm -hmm. i've been finding these zooms it's, it's hard for the kids to express themselves this way when i'm starting meetings and stuff like that i love having conversations and it's me usually it's me asking questions and then these awkward silences going <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> but, you know, so like for this part of that, it's probably been the biggest challenge. Let's just be honest. What a time that, for this to happen with all this technology, True. right? Mm -hmm. Like we can actually, we can actually try to figure out a solution mm -hmm. instead of just going, well, let's just go through the phone tree real quick. You know, imagine this happened 15 years ago. Imagine. Where we wouldn't yeah. have this. No video. No video, we'd be just calling people up, saying, hey, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? You know, and Webcams you know, suck then too. And, yeah. I consider this very lucky. And so like yeah. we've been doing Zooms. I've been talking to a lot more coaches across the country because of this platform. And we just do Zooms. You know, last week I got to hang out with Brendan Hansen, who's uh, an Olympic breaststroker on the Zoom with his coach, Eddie Reed. Honestly, like, it, was, it, it was very, as annoying as it can be, we can find the positive. Yeah. You know, that's what I love about you, TJ. Like, you always find the silver lining and everything. Like, I actually didn't even think about that. Like, the technology that we have now and the ability to do this, you know, and to make our world a little bit smaller. Like, just reach out to people. So, yeah, so before this pandemic, how, how much swimming did you do on a daily basis for yourself? 
for myself, yeah. see those two types of coaches. There's yeah. a coach that's going to live in the water and live at the pool, and there's yeah. a coach that's not going to live in the pool. Yeah. And I'm not the guy that's going to live in the water. I mean, I'm on deck six hours a day some days. Yeah. I don't want to spend another minute on that deck if I don't have to. So mm. I would spend, I honestly, probably once or twice a month, mm. get in to make sure I still remember how to do it. Yeah. And then maybe maybe work on a new drill that I was watching on, on online with the kids or a new concept or – you know, maybe I think last because we were doing all night. I got in at a power tower set, see how it felt, and you know stuff like that. But if I'm trying new things, I'll, I'll do it for the kids, or I'll do it on a. I love messing with kids. Like I'll jump in randomly to practice all my clothes on just to get the kids. Go, what? <laughs> I I actually thought that you would swim with me, like the the handful of times that I did come visit and and to your school. Yeah. I was like. You're not going to come in the water with me? Was he just like, liking you with like a pool noodle? Like, hey, you're yeah. doing this wrong. Oh, he had harnesses I mean, and he had cameras and everything. Here's the, I mean, like, and I used to do that a lot with the kids where I swim the sets with the kids, but sooner or later, why am I there? I'm there to make you a better athlete, not make myself a better athlete. I got to make that. I got to spend my own time to do that. So I could see a lot more out of the water. And then I had the cameras underwater. So I saw everything needed to see underwater for you. So it's the same kind of concept. By the way, when, whenever this is all over, I got to bring you back to North. We have some brand new camera set up. I great. would love to go. Which pool was this? I kind of I want to do this. I, I kind of yeah. really miss swimming. It's my second favorite thing to do. Right now, all the high schools are shut down. So mm, okay. like, we've literally scratched our way into a local uh, country club. And thank God that we got that. Actually, yesterday, I finally had the nerve to put on my wetsuit. Yep, I swam in the lake. For, the lake. For the wow. first time. Uh, we're not going to mention names, so people do not go there. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was a beautiful serene You don't want to get in yes, trouble. Yes, so the last time I swam was early March during a race. So it's been like almost four months, right? Yesterday was the first time I went back in the water again. I'm like, you know what? My wetsuit feels a bit snug. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. But I it fits them. I mean, like the snacking has been out of control. I'll be honest. I know, so... What what kind of homework have you given the kids for the time being that they couldn't be in the water? What can you do every day? I mean, we have uh, we have a challenge right now, race to a million reps. We started back in May. If you did 110 reps of anything each day, you would be at a million. The, the, you'd be at 10,000 reps by the beginning of August. If we had 100 Whoa. kids do that, we, we'd have a million reps by the end of summer. Just keeping the kids doing something and not turning into couch potatoes. And it's great. We've gotten them in the water. We've been in the water for a week now and I could see the kids that did do stuff and I could see the kids that didn't do anything. <laughs> and, but then homework and, it, and, and it's a different experience watching kids get stronger through a screen like this. Yeah. Like, cause it's awesome. Like you sit there, I was like, you remember three weeks ago, this kid could barely do a push up. Now he's cranking them out like it's nothing or whatever it is. So like you gotta find those little experiences to, to celebrate. You gotta celebrate those wins when you can. And as you get as you get going, I mean, yeah, it's, you're gonna be a little behind, but guess what? We're gonna be okay. What race are we in now? And I, that's, that's what I'm telling the kids right now. Like there are no races on this calendar. We can sit back, take our time, do 25, get the feel back of the water, and and maybe make some good modifications to our strokes. That's what I felt yesterday. I'm like. First thing, I walk in the water, I was like, oh my God, it is so cold. <laughs> and then, you know, I'm like slowly getting my hands wet, like splashing my face, my neck. And finally, okay, now I'm like at neck, neck level. I was like, okay, get some water in. I'm like, oh, freezing. this is freezing. 
the first few strokes, I have this little uh, shoulder injury. It kind of mm -hmm. bothers me, actually. This sucks. And then I think about this, I was like, you know what? Nobody's racing anything. Mm -hmm. And yeah. nobody has been in the water, and unless you live in somewhere in Florida, maybe. But yeah. it was rough. But you survived. I tried. It was rough. I tried to buy a pool. I wanted to buy a pool for our backyard, a big pool. And yeah. I wanted to set up an anchor set up where the kids could have a stretch cord. And they could just work on yeah. the form. And then I tried my best. <laughs> Every pool, like, I was like, I should have bought the one that I saw earlier, but I went to the Costco. I said, hey, I want that pool on the wall. I said, okay, here. Here's, they took my money. I said, okay. Here's the pool. It's like, oh, yeah, we're not selling it now. I was like, oh, no. What? See, that's the thing. Pool, but anyway, it's a good price, too, but uh, I Even, like, uh, resistance bands. Can't even yeah. find any of those. So hard to like find those these days. Everything's sold out. Yeah, you gotta you gotta know a few people. I, I got a friend of mine that at the swim team store because I went on her website. She's oh. like, yeah, I'm like, dude, there's only yellow bands left. She's like, oh, don't worry about the website. What do you need? I was like, all right, that's right. Oh, see, <laughs> that's Look a hookup I needed. See, <laughs> you should have seen my my old bands. I've had these bands for like years, right? And I finally yeah. keep on snapping snapping them. So now I keep on tying them. So instead of like being this long, they've gotten shorter and shorter. And shorter. <laughs> They're too strong. You can't rip things off the wall. I think it's just old. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned uh, what was this being a CrossFit coach. How did how did that come into the picture? <laughs> um, CrossFit. <laughs> how did that come into the picture? Well, uh, well, it all started in Vegas. Mm. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Um, my buddy had his bachelor party in Vegas, and I got to meet all of his friends. Two guys, Alan and Sean, that that I met there, that both worked out, but we we all thought we were some pretty hot stuff in Vegas. And then the pictures surfaced. They were like, oh, God. <laughs> it was uh, April of 2012. April of 2012 was happening. But then we all decided, okay, we really got to put, you know, put some work in. So then they started posting these videos online of them working out, or pictures of them getting workouts in. So then I would post my pictures of me working out, getting in it. And then also we had these little Instagram, like, workout buddies <laughs> where we would work out together. And then it was, uh, I think it was 2013 where... So Nora goes, she was watching the CrossFit games or something online. She was like, I really want to try this. I really want to try this. I said, honey, I, said, I know how you work out. No, we're not going to try this. I said, and I can't do half this stuff anyway. She said, I'll just try it anyway. So we went into our, our first CrossFit uh, workout, and Lenore wound up beating me at the workout. I was like, I knew you had more in the tank. <laughs> That's awesome. You got chicked. First day, you got chicked. She kicked my butt. Oh, so at my that God. point, I knew, I knew that she needed a coach, and I needed a coach to, to work through some stuff. And so we did that. Then we wound up falling into CrossFit Illumina right after we did our on-ramp. And from then, it was just, we fell in love with the, the, the community. We fell in love with the people around us. And, and I think that was a lot of it. I think the people around you is what helped motivate you. And I think that's what CrossFit does for a lot of people is it gives you that community. And you see that in the tri-community too. You see that in the triathlon community where people just want people to A, be involved and B, just be better. And I think that having that surrounding you is, is a phenomenal thing. And I think that that... It's very underrated um, yeah. when it comes to like achieving your goals. You gotta surround yourself with the right people, and if you surround yourself with the right people that can help motivate you, I think that that's huge. That's why I love the team aspect. That's why I love CrossFit. That's why I love the try stuff. Is because if you surround yourself with that community, and everyone's gonna help you. I think early two thousand, mid two thousand ten ish onwards, that was like really the rise of CrossFit that became like more in a sense, mainstream, and you see all these boxes opening left and right. But now I don't yeah. know what's going to happen. Like, I don't know how everyone's going to bounce well, back. 
Well, I don't know. I can't. I can't speak for all gyms. I know my gym still charged everybody. They offered them tons of programming. They also opened up the doors to the gym and said, "Listen, this stuff's just gonna sit here. Take it home and use it." Yeah, oh, wow. so they, that's a good thing. They let us use all the equipment and stuff like that. They were phenomenal in how they handled the situation, and they're they're doing it now. They're doing a great job now. They have they know that people aren't comfortable being inside, so they have outdoor stuff. They have personal training inside. And there, I, I have the same concern for youth sports, you know what I mean, where I don't know what the future is going to look like, especially with people like me who is connected to a high school. Our club team only survived because of the high school. And if the high school says, you can't come in here, mm. I don't know what we're going to do. Mm. Yeah. So, that, so we do have some challenges ahead of us. But, you know, as anything else, the challenge is not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It just is. Yeah, yeah. Well, we definitely have to adapt to just a lot of different changes and you know make sure that everyone still stays healthy and and all of that mostly so. sane. Oh, for sure that's not <laughs> one priority yeah and so what what have been like other than I, we always deal with challenges in whatever aspect that is but what's been the biggest challenge as a coach other than waking at like 4 a.m for swimming because i don't know how swimmers do it man it <laughs> uh, the, 4 a.m. That's wake up I calls did. and then that's what I did for training. Ooh. It worked uh, out. That's the routine. That's yeah. The routine of it though. Like once you get <laughs> into the routine of it, it's great and you feel amazing doing it. The process of getting there is horrible. Yes. But oh, it's the worst. Oh, 40. But what after maybe like 50, you're good, right? Yeah. You... But I mean, like, there's a lot of uh, here's the thing, right? Sleep is one of the most important things. It's also one of the most under underrated things. You need to sleep. If you're prepping yourself to get up at four in the morning, then you better be going to bed about nine. Honestly, you, you need you need at least seven hours of sleep, if not more. Um, especially if you're coming off of a hard training day, you need like eight or nine hours of sleep if, you, if, if you're coming off that hard training. Mm -hmm. So the question was, how do I, you know, get the kids to do the 5 a.m. stuff and whatever it is? Yeah. My high schoolers want to do it. They want it. Like we, I gave, mm -hmm. like we, we had one day on, one day off last year. And the biggest, the biggest feedback I got from last year, like we need to be going early every day. Wow. And, and I think part of it is, is that routine of it, right? I wake up at the same time every day. That means I go to bed at the same time every day. There's been a lot of, I don't want to say controversy, but there's a lot of debate about is two days waking up in the morning worth it? And the, the reason they're saying it's not worth it is because you're, you're losing sleep. Mm. But if you don't have that in the morning, then you're staying up later anyway. Mm. So the idea is if you want to prioritize your training, then you have to prioritize sleep first. So mm. that's it. I mean, that, so the girls really want to do the mornings, and I'm going to be a little more flexible on the afternoon side of things. Then. You know what I mean? Because I do believe that they need the rest. And listen, I don't want them to stare at the blue line for five <laughs> hours a day. Yeah, on average, like uh, on peak loads for before you get into meets, what's your, what's your average weekly mileage? I'm not, I don't count the mileage. We, oh. we do a lot of, uh, especially with my, well, with my age groupers, if we have an, uh, two hour practice, we may go, the most will go is five grand, but we'll probably keep it under 45 to 4,000. And they practice six days a week. Wow. Um, wow. That's, that's not meters, that's yards. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, but still. It's just 10%. <laughs> today, today's practice was 3,500 and we did an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah. And, 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 and I, listen, I'm, I'm a coach that is more is not better, better is better. 
especially with, like you said it you said it best at the top of this is like we have events that last anywhere between 25 seconds to maybe six minutes yeah maybe six maybe. minutes why am I pounding them for yardage at that point? Yeah. So, I mean, with my high school girls, we, 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 we focus a lot more on quality, a lot more on power development, and just working at race pace, working at, like, working at wh what you want to do at the end of the season. And we've had a lot of success with that. I know, at least with high school girls, it's been tough for me to get them to buy into 10 200s. Oh, that um, hurts. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. And, 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 and they just, they don't, and if they don't see the point in it, then they're not going to do it. But if I say, hey, listen, we're doing, what is it, 2,000? So say, yeah. all right, we're going to do 3050s at your race pace. And I want you within within 20 to 30 seconds of your race pace, the entire set. And if you miss one, then I want you to sit out. I want you to recover. Mm -hmm. Because I want you to hit that race pace. That's more important than the number that we're doing here. And then say, last week they sat out twice out of that set. This week they sat out once. And then maybe next week they didn't sit out at all. Well, then next week we're going to change the interval. You know what I mean? Stuff like that, where you do set the progressions in there, but they need to be able to relate what we're doing here is going to affect over here. And a lot of them say, 10 to 100 doesn't make sense to me if I want to do really fast in the 50s. Hmm. Yeah, because I, I did also did this race in February, and then the day after the race I went to, this was in New Zealand, so I went to their local pool. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, I was doing like this recovery swim, right? It was before the aqua aerobics ladies were showing up, which I am very familiar with because where, where I swim here in Chicago, I always get kicked out by aqua aerobics ladies. They don't like me either. Before that, like, you know, when, when lap swim time was on, I was in one lane with like another guy and then, you know, the other lanes were spared for high school kids, man. I'm just amazed looking at these kids swimming. I'm like, unfreaking believable. It, it made me really wish I learned to swim young and early. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. Uh, because I mean, I, I don't. Yeah, you can't. There's, there's no changing that. I mean, there's, there's <laughs> no replacement. If you learn it early, it's there forever. Yeah, it's yeah. It's there forever, and that's what's great about it. That's what I mean. I think that's very vital too, especially for, especially in the Midwest, we're so landlocked. The idea of people now that I've. I'm an adult now. Every time I see a, see a pool, I feel like doing laps in the pool. But some people's idea is like lounging around in a pool. Mm -hmm. It's just the disconnect. But how do you, uh, in a sense, how do you encourage kids to, especially those who are not so inclined about swimming competitively, just to learn to swim in general? Uh, one, I have a really funny joke about, not a joke, a story. My dad used to get really mad at me that I didn't want to go to the pool where he was hanging, where just to hang out. I'm like, dad, I've seen enough of a pool. I don't need to ever, I don't lounge at a pool. When I look at a pool, I, I, I see work. It's work. I don't yeah. 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 With kids, guess what? You take out a stopwatch and you say, okay, I want you to go as fast as you can from here to there. Okay, cool. And they go. <laughs> I mean, like, it's not hard. I mean, like, I'll never forget, like, my, my aunt just wondered, like, my aunt was did swim lessons for her kids for like three years. And then they, they wanted to do it at the YMCA that I was working at. And I happened to be there one day. And I said, okay, cool, let me just mess around with them. And then all of them, I got to do stuff that their kids, their instructors couldn't do for six weeks. Oh, just wow. by taking a stopwatch out and making it a game. Uh, Coach down in Texas is, is all about gamifying swimming. And he's having a lot of success. And if you make it a game, they're going to be more excited about it. And I, and I think for something like swimming, it's tough. We're, 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 we're against games. We're against volleyball. We're against soccer. We're against, 
It's like it's like those are all games and those are all fun. Guess what you get to do at practice? You get to train. Ready to go. Like <laughs> for kids, you have to get them to buy in. And if they're having fun and they're goofing around and they're splashing around, they do a cannonball every once in a while. They're gonna keep coming back. That is so true. Yeah. That is so true. You have to get into their psyche and and what excites them. I'm curious. Tell me what we're gonna segue into this now. Family life during the pandemic and balancing what you do as a coach, teacher, and all of a sudden now, you know, Trey is there all day and have to keep him entertained. Tell us about Trey, how old he is, and yeah, family life, work balance challenges. All right, so Trey's four years old. He just turned four in May. He is uh, he's diagnosed with fragile X. Fragile X is a genetic disorder that that basically the brain doesn't doesn't have an enzyme to break down a certain protein so he can develop properly. Um, wow. Doesn't mean he can't develop things. It's just he's going to be at a much slower rate than everybody else. Hmm. Um, and we're seeing that even now. So when this pandemic hit, all of his therapy stopped, all of his school stopped, hmm. and this kid thrives on routine. Like when it's a school day, he grabs his backpack even before I ask him. He's, he knows what the routine is. And so when this whole thing happened, that ruined the routine. Yeah. And so we had to figure out how to get it back. And so I, I think what, one big reason why we started Trey's uh, Instagram little handle was so that his therapy, his, his, his therapist can see what we do with him every day. Mm. Because I mean, at this point, my wife and I have turned into speech therapists. We've turned into physical therapists. We've turned uh -huh. into OT. We've turned into developmental therapists. Yeah. And we've had to we've had to take these tools that thank God that you know we're in this world that I mean I'm a swim coach I'm a CrossFit coach I get a lot of this stuff. Thank God we're in this world where I could sit down and we actually started like our whole house like a PT's dream right now with with all the fun toys we have and stuff like that for the kids. And we've had to learn how to do that and 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 it's tough because. You know, we want him to do it, but at the same time, we don't want to be his coach. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, you're going to coach your kid. I said, I'm only going to coach my kid when they ask me to coach them. Love the, the, the relationship I have with my son. Um, it could be very different next year because he's going to be at school all day whenever we go back to normal, whatever normal to be. Mm -hmm. And I'm, he's going to be at school all day, and I'm going to be coaching all night. So I don't know what's going to happen with that. I don't. It's something that's been that's sitting out a lot of my mind lately. We just tried to figure it out, and like the best thing we can do is wake up, like set an alarm. If you don't have an alarm to get up, then you're never gonna get the day started. And yeah. so the, I mean, we learned that kind of early on is we set our alarm, we just got up, we just got stuff going, and like okay, this at this point that we're gonna do this with him, at this point we're gonna do this with him, and then the dog walks, like you said, you've seen a lot of those, and like I was huge. And then he broke his leg. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yes, he broke yes, his leg yes. During the pandemic. Wait, who? who Trey, we, had, yes. we had it going. We had it going. We were we on a good routine. We were doing stuff, and we had it going. And then all of a sudden, and it, it, he just fell walking. It wasn't. It, there was no way to prevent it, or whatever it was. He fell weird, and he like he did one of those called a toddler fracture. And I try. I, I waited two hours to bring him in because I'm like, oh, he's. Let's just see. Let's just see. And he's like, yeah. Because I sat and I watched him a movie, and then he'll forget about it, and we'll see if we put him on. He still couldn't stand up. So oh, I was like, no. all right, let's go to the hospital. That was fun. Yeah. Wow. Is he? Does so Trey? That happened when? When he broke his his leg? Is he still in a cast? Uh, I think it. I think it broke it like a week or two into it, or two weeks into the into the pandemic, like March 24th, I think it was. 
Is wow. he is he fully recovered now? Yes, and then he fell another way. He twisted his like hip. Oh no! <laughs> well, it, it, you have to remember it's like you know the overcompensation kind of. You're still a bit off. I, I felt that yesterday, even swimming, I, I was just feeling really off. But I forced myself yeah. to, in a sense too, right? Like every day, you can't be motivated every day. Motivation is like a limited, limited resource. So yesterday, I was just, you know what? You just need to get in that water and jump in. So I did swim, you know, quick. I don't know, like. 1600 yards or whatever a mile as soon as i literally got back to close to the shore i saw this zodiac beside me zodiac you know little rubber boat oh <laughs> it was a it was a coast guard and you got kicked out <laughs> yeah telling me like you're not technically allowed to swim i'm like okay <laughs> you did get in trouble it's like how did i not know that because the sign said you know keep moving it's like, i'm moving in the water that must be a phase four thing <laughs> We're not phase four yet. <laughs> I don't know. So, Aww. I was like, so that was my excuse about not swimming again. But I guess I got to put that thing through like the whole routine thing. Like, you know what? Yeah. Not routine of breaking. If you, if, you, if you planned it out, if you wrote it down in your book, you have to do it. See, is that it, how it goes? It, is, is that, it, do, do you tell your kids that? Because personally, me, I'm, I, I, I call myself an old fart. I keep on writing on a journal or like a yeah, planner. I can't, I can't really get a hang of a Google calendar or an digital calendar. A hybrid. You need yeah. both. Yeah. I, I think you need both. I think yeah. I think it's nice to have the reminders come up on your phone to let you know you have a meeting coming up or something like. I like writing stuff down. I'm a huge person where like if I'm gonna oh if you can when you write stuff down it kind of puts it to memory a little bit more for me. Um, when I'm writing practices I write it down first on paper and then I, mm. I'll, I'll transfer it to the online doc or whatever it is. But yeah, how I tell the kids to do it, I said, it's, if you write it down, if you have a plan to do it, you have to do it. Um, even if you don't feel like it. And then say you say, well, I need a rest day. Well, that wasn't on the plan for today. So if you need a rest day, take it tomorrow. You got to finish this workout first. Definitely helps when you write everything. I wrote everything down when I was training. But now, oh, you, like, were, you were on it, man. I, I, and then you, would, you had the stickies on it. I, I, I was, did. I was impressed. I did. She was on the texting every day. But stickies, stickies are, it's good and bad. But, like, it, it made me push the workout if I couldn't get it in. So, I don't know. Sometimes I use it as a crutch. I'm not going to lie. But for the most part, it did work for me. So, yeah. But you're honest right. with yourself. That's the other That's yeah. the other good part about it. You're honest with you. You're like, all right, man, listen, I'm, it's, it, this is my crutch, and I'm okay with that today. And that's okay. As yeah. long as you know that tomorrow it's going to happen. And I tell kids, you're going to mess up. You're going to mess things up. As a coach, teacher, especially at CrossFit and swimming, you always try to, in a sense, motivate people, which is part of the deal, I guess. You as a coach, how do you motivate yourself to do this every day? Good question. So you, know, you have to, I, sometimes I know it's an act that you kind of put on that face because you're trying to help somebody, but. Yeah, how do you stay positive? Because uh, you, you can't be Debbie Downer like at all. Like me? that doesn't allow you to be like that. <laughs> Deal with, deal with uh, the, the, the high school girl once in a while, and you'll know, see it's, it's tough. I mean, it's, it's, it, high school in general is tough because it's hard to be a high schooler now. Yeah. Um, it is. It's, it's very hard to be a high schooler now. I, I don't know if I would survive yeah. if I had to be a high schooler. Oh, God, yeah. It's hard um, like, I'll be honest with you. Uh, like, the, the best thing you can do if uh, on dates you're not feeling it, then you're the listener. Then you're the person that's just going to listen to what they need to say. You know, sometimes 
I know the coach in me always wants to fix everything, and sometimes you can't. Sometimes you have to let them live and, and just let them get off their chest, let them try to figure it out on their own. Once again, it's their journey. But how do I? I mean, like, sometimes it is an act. Let's just be honest. Like, sometimes you have to put on that happy face and, like, you know, splash some water on your face in the bathroom and just turn around and, like, let's go. Mm-hmm. Or, you know what, on the days that you're feeling the lowest, then you go find that one kid or that one person that needs that motivation and you go motivate them. And I guarantee you, if you motivate them, they're doing something positive, that's going to come right back at you and then you can kind of share it with everybody else. Oh, I love but, like, that. And that's why I tell the kids, like, on days that they're feeling the worst, go find someone else to go pump up. If you can pump somebody else up, their energy is going to make you feel better. And so that's, that's kind of what, that's how I coach. Like, if I, uh, days I'm feeling really bad, I'm going to the kid that needs the most help. And I'm going to make sure that I find out that whatever they need help with that day, I'm going to get them something that they need. That's so awesome. I love that. I really, really love that. I'm so going to take that into my life. It's yours. It's yours. I guarantee you I probably didn't come up with it. (laughs) What has been the number one thing that you've learned about yourself through coaching, through, you know, life in general? Like, what's your number one takeaway message that you've learned through the process? Well, obviously the process, I mean, if there's one thing my son has taught me is that the process is everything. When we first started, we didn't know he had fragile X until he was three. So when we first started, we okay. through all the books I've read, I've always talked to the kids about the process. No one has taught me more about the process than, except for that kid up there. Like, so when we started uh, with EI, it was a whole new thing with us. It was... Um, EI is early intervention. Early, early intervention when you have a kid that's not meeting their, their benchmarks. And so they, 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 they said, hey, listen, we're going to bring EI out for you. And they're just going to, and so they, they said, okay, we want to do PT and OT with you. So, okay, awesome. No problem. Let's do it. You're going to come to my house? Awesome. Even better. Hey, bud. Here. Come say hi. Oh. Hi, Trey. Say hi. Hi, Trey. Hi, Trey. They came to our house and they, uh, and, and then they were working with us. And I'm like, oh, cool. This will be great. Within like six or eight weeks, Trey will catch up and we'll be fine. It'll be awesome. Six or eight weeks passed, and then it was, you know, eight months. And then I finally asked it. I said, well, how long do you guys think this is going to go for? And they're like, dude, we're here for three years. And then I'm like, holy, like, like that, it took me a step back. And, like, all of a sudden, I stopped looking at what the benchmarks were, and I started looking at who my son was and just finding out, okay, cool. So when we – I'll never forget when we were trying to get him to walk. We had the little ABC mats. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. Trey, you're going to go two blocks. And so I'd set him up, and then he just he'd, he'd fall over to the couch. He walks two blocks. I'm like, yes, okay, mm-hmm. we're gonna go three blocks, and then we went four blocks, we went six blocks, and I would I would videotape it. Mm-hmm. And like his therapist didn't think that he could walk. I said, no, look, he can walk. Yeah, yeah, whatever. He's gonna walk like two steps. And I'm like, no, he walks six bricks or whatever it was. And so like finding that understanding that the process for him was gonna be different than the process for everybody else, mm-hmm. and us teaching the process. It just taught me the process even more. Yeah. And so if, and even in my own athletic prowess or whatever the heck it is, if I wanted to do a triathlon, it's about the process. It's not about me doing any time or whatever it was. I think at the, at the, at the try, which turned into a duel yeah. uh, last summer, I they think were... I was the third to the last person to finish it. Oh. And, and, and it was because, and, you know, because of my ankles, I can't run. Yeah. No running at all. So I walked the three and a half. Mm-hmm. Then... I used a mountain bike, which is a great idea to, to do during a triathlon. <laughs> and, 
and but it was cool because Lenore and I just hung out together and like she hung out with me on the walks I hung out with her on the ride and it's not about winning or whatever it is it's about just trying to be better than you were the day before and finding those challenges and, and just learning from them I love that so TJ is actually referring to the Chicago triathlon yeah. um, that him and Lenore signed up for last year and I was so excited and out of all days it happened to the bad weather, so the swim was part was, was, there. <laughs> was canceled. Linus did the race, actually. He was there. Yeah. Actually, he won. Didn't you win something? <laughs> he won He won the males. Tell me. I forgot. The sprint. All all around <laughs> male winner for the sprint. Chicago tie. That was pretty amazing. It worked out because we didn't but, have to swim. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but TJ, I actually was going to ask you that. Are you guys going to try for try again? I mean, uh, I said we were going to do at least one. I haven't done one yet, so. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, I'm hoping to do it with you guys, hopefully. So what was your, like, that'd be awesome. What was your best, uh, what was your favorite discipline among the, among, among the swim races? Which stroke? Uh, I was an IMer. I, yeah, I, ah, I like okay. doing all four strokes. I was a 200 Ooh. IMer and a, and a sprinter. So I, I enjoyed doing the, the flyback breast free. I just liked it because you couldn't be good at one thing. You had to be kind of good at everything. Wow. So, so you know what, how I describe, you know, going fly and then you turn, go back. And then when you do the, what's that fly and then back, right? Back strokes the next one. Yeah. Yeah. I call yeah. that a nasal enema as soon as you like get off the wall and then oh yeah i, I just feel <laughs> water going through my brain and oh yeah, oh, no, yeah. so w what do you think is the hardest stroke to master personally for me it's like breaststroke stroke. really breaststroke breaststroke is the hardest stroke. if you to do it mm. right yeah to do it right yeah, yeah it, it, butterfly everything else works with the water yeah and recovers over the water mm, okay. everything every other every other discipline you can use dolphin kick, you can use, and your arms are recovering over the water, so there's no resistance there. Yeah. Um, there's, you're working with the water. Breaststroke, you are going against the water when you kick, you're going against the water when, you, when, you, when you're right. recovering. And right. it, it, it just, it, it, it takes a lot more to get good at that stroke. And that's one of those strokes that you're either really born with or you're not. <laughs> like, wow. like great breaststrokers are born, they're not made. They oh. really are. So how, did, how are you able to breaststroke with you know, the ankle issue. Uh, not well. <laughs> a lot of slipping <laughs> through the water. I can do it legally. I can't mm. do it well. I can't, mm. I mean, like, and, and, and that's just where I'm at in my life, and that's okay. I yeah. can't do anything really, really well, but I can do everything. Mm. Um, and, and, and that's and that's more than some people can say. And so I, I, yeah. I consider myself very lucky to be where I'm sitting and, and do what I do. I guess I didn't realize breaststroke has had all these like mini technicalities, even like the one dolphin kick the first time in the water. I'm like, really? There's such a thing? There's yeah. that rule? Well, if, if you're watching like the Olympics at breaststroke and you have you have the top 10 swimmers in the final heat, you're looking at the breaststroke and they're all swimming breaststroke differently. Yeah, yeah. They all swim. Some have got a narrow kick, some have got a narrow pull, some have a longer stroke, some have a faster stroke tempo, like, and they're all doing it right. Like, <laughs> like that's the thing is like, nobody's doing it wrong. They're, 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 at the, they're at the final heat of the Olympics. No one's doing it wrong, but there's just so many different, it's, it's just a finesse stroke. There's so many different things going on there. Interesting. Yeah, speaking of like, you know, you, on a daily basis, you coach, do coaching in the pool, and then you coach at the CrossFit too, right? So uh, I, I haven't coached CrossFit in a while, but yeah. I yeah. Mean, so I, yeah. 
concerning like we go back to that time, what's your what's your routine like on a daily basis? I, I just want to know how, how your day goes like normally. Um, we'll do the busiest type of day that I have. Would be like during girl season when I have to, when we have morning practice. We have morning practice. Usually starts about six six fifteen in the morning. I'll work with them until about seven thirty eight o'clock in the in until right before school starts. At that point, and I come home, get Trey, take him to school. I'd come back. I'd either coach CrossFit or work at CrossFit, or I'd work out myself at that point. And then I would do work until about eleven thirty twelve o'clock. I'd pick Trey up. We go do one therapy, and then another therapy, and then another therapy. <laughs> bring him home, get him some food, and then we would go. To, and then I'd go into three fifteen. I'd be on the pool deck for high school girls swimming, and I'd coach all the way up to about nine o'clock at night. Okay. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah. You got to make things work. Now. I mean, if it's <laughs> once again, if it's important to you, you'll make it work. And so. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. So I think it's kind of. Let's start wrapping it up. Um, but I do have a question, and I love this question. Like anything goes, how? What do you see yourself doing in ten years? Uh, I'd probably be doing a lot of the same stuff I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm going to be honest with you, I did go back to school to get my phys ed degree. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm going to use it, but I figure it'd be good to have in the back pocket. I, I plan on doing this for a while. I think my, it was funny. My father said, "Okay, TJ, this pandemic said me one thing." You're done with coaching. And I was like, what? You guys are 20 years, man. What are you talking about? Because it's just not solid. So I can see myself doing very much the same stuff that I'm doing right now. Um, it may be in a different theater. It may be in a different type of frame. But somehow coaching is never going to leave me. I love I love, I love, love working with people. I love the journey. Like with, with someone like you going from watching you grow as, as an athlete has been, I just, I'm very privileged that I got to, to, to hang out with you for that, for that time. And watching these kids grow up, one of my eight and unders when he was, when he first started with me at the Y is graduating high school and he's going to Yale next year. So oh, it's like, wow. I get to watch these kids grow up and I, and it's, 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 I really do love what I do. I'm very lucky to, to have a passion for my job and enjoy going to work every day. So yeah. Yeah, so the whole coaching business in general, not just in like sports, but in all facets really have gotten so big mm-hmm. that I know I've read somebody who's like some doctor, he's a surgeon that he actually hired a coach to observe him performing surgery. Mm. And then he was just observing how he moves, right? And after a few hours, you know, they're doing really delicate stuff and suddenly coach will give them feedback like you're tensing up after this amount of time so mm-hmm. those those little things I, I think the whole coaching gig is gonna get just bigger and bigger the more interconnected we are and more people are needing support really to mm-hmm. mitigate other work yeah yeah because I, I personally in, in my sphere of friends too we, we have this thing about once you're getting coached or something okay you got too serious because you're suddenly getting coached or like you know you're wanting to win something because you're what's getting the problem coached. with that right yeah there's no problem with that some people are like i want to become the best version of me that's right and i can't do it by myself yeah, yeah that's the thing is, i need help mm-hmm. why is that like even like even you can take that out you can take coaching out like mental health i i, I yeah. need help like let yeah. me go get my help don't <laughs> judge me for it like right if, like and that's the thing is like oh you're getting coached well good for you that's what i would say i said listen like especially that's what i love about crossfit you don't know how to work out come we're going to show you how to do it mm-hmm. and if you and if you learn enough and you don't want to stick around with us i get it that's cool we taught you enough as long as we taught you enough that you're going to be safe on your own 
you're good to go. Mm-hmm. But I, I told you, Michelle, when we started, I said, I want you to be able to do this on your own. I don't yeah. want to have to sit there and be there for you the whole time. I would fail at my job if I, if I was. Yeah, yeah. No, and I see, like, that's, I mean, I can't imagine TJ without the coach aspect in your life. Like, I think you are yeah. an amazing person, but to add, like, the coaching and to just, you know, motivate your kids and, you know, and apply it to Trey's life, like, I think, like, he's so lucky to have you in his life. And it, and at the same time, like, I, I could totally relate on the parenting um challenges that you have like with Misha and I and and this whole pandemic thing so like I really appreciate you like sharing that part of your life with us and and our listeners and and I'm just yeah like I'm just so thankful to know you like you're just awesome like yeah I, I'm, like, gonna, I'm gonna need your help one of these days so it's honestly I'm <laughs> I'm also welcoming that fact that people are actually really open to helping others you know it kind of is just yeah. this vicious circle that I was just talking to a friend earlier that he said uh, what he did earlier uh, in this pandemic was really call his friends or people he could think of like, do you need help with you know, money or whatever? And people were like, no, 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 no. And then he was like, no, I'm not asking anything back. I'm really just giving you something because I got something to give. Mm-hmm. And people, yeah. us, I think with this idea of self-sufficiency feel like, if I ask for help, they might think I'm like weak or they might want something back from me when, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's an mm-hmm. open thing. You're just giving it. Uh, I got to be honest with you. When I broke both my legs, I was stubborn as hell. I did yeah, not know how yeah. to take help. I yeah. didn't. Mm-hmm. I, I was, I was a person where like the dog needed to go out. Somebody was supposed to be here. They weren't here. I butted myself up the stairs, pulled the wheelchair up the stairs Oof. with a rope, brought myself Oof. outside the same way. And we took the dog out. And then Ooh. when I was in, I was going to school at the time, my sister's like the hardest thing that I had to do was put the wheelchair away. Like I did everything else for myself. I was very stubborn about that, and I think I still am, to be honest with you, on a lot of that stuff. And I need to learn to let stuff go and let actually accept help. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that, I guess we're that's a that's a good place to land this plane. So, yeah, cool. Yeah, what's I can talk all day with you guys. You guys are awesome. <laughs> no, you're <laughs> awesome. Thank so, you so much. The final question I always wanted to ask is that what, you know, TJ being TJ, what, what gets you up in the morning? What gets, I, my son. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good Literally. one. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. We were, we had school with him today at nine o'clock and all these kids are still in bed. Like they're trying to do school at Zoom with the kid in bed. I'm like, man, I wish my kid would sleep at nine o'clock. <laughs> Come on. But I mean, like on the, on the other side of it, like on Father's Day, it was the only time I could wake up. I could only time I could work out is if I wake up and I did it early and I had to do it on my own. So like, you gotta just find like whatever your carrot is. Like some people need a carrot. Some people can set an alarm. Like me, I'm the guy that sets 15 alarms to get up once. You know what I mean? That's me. 15 alarms That's to get up me. once. I, like my buddy, my buddy once said, like, cause I took a screenshot cause I told him I was going to be at the workout. I said, look, I'm going to be there. Here's my alarm set. He goes, is that real? Do you really do that? I'm like, yeah, I do. He's like, I, he goes, I just set one alarm and I get up. I said, that's not me. I can't do that. That's not me. I need at least three or four alarms to make sure I get up. Mm-hmm. And I changed the last one. My last alarm, like you better get your ass. Oh, wait, I can't say that. It's all right. <laughs> oh, no, we lost you. God, DJ. No, I think it's so okay, right. then, okay. I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. I'm here. Okay, okay, okay. Um, that's me. Like, the last alarm has a different sound. And I know that yeah. I have to get up on that last alarm or else I'm screwed the whole rest of the day. So, See, I can relate. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I put my phone away. So, I had to get up. 
you know, so I that's another way. Yeah, I have to get up. Like, that's a good. See, I I, I used to do that when I was growing up, and I hated it. <laughs> yeah, I and think now, I would be so. And now grumpy. if I got to get up at four in the morning, I can't have you know like because Lenora's asleep next to me. I can't have my phone uh, go off. Oh, and then it's going off the whole time. And she wakes up and throws a pillow at me. Yeah. <laughs> I want to. I want to keep. I want to stay married as long as I can. Oh. Yeah, we we want to keep it that way. <laughs> so yes. how can you share how our listeners can reach you find out more about you as a coach do you have an instagram and um that you'd like yeah, to share uh, my my instagram handle is coach.tj it's very simple um i i do like mindset mondays and post stuff about my me working out my kids working out and stuff like that sometimes they do like a like a wednesday workout that i put, uh, put together for the kids if you want to email me coach.tj at swiftaquatics.org it's a mm. big mouthful so probably instagram is probably the best way to get there <laughs> if you want to follow trey trey t-r-e underscore f-x-s underscore life is his handle because i don't know he's cooler than i am so that's <laughs> so. right we'll have everything in the show notes so mm-hmm. people can can definitely find follow the resources yeah and, and i want to know like um i know you're cup is pretty full in terms of like coaching you know your kids and whatnot but are you open to like if one of our listeners are interested in you know coaching um with swimming like are you open i'm to always that? i'm always available for anything like especially I, I i'm a person that i'll give you more free advice and then probably paid advice but you know like <laughs> if you have if you need if you need some help like i would love to help anybody out that needs help I, like i said it's it's for me the journey is the fun part i've, I've helped people that couldn't swim before, learn how to swim, and hopefully she's going to do her first triathlon in another year or two. We'll see. I, I, I'm working on her. But, oh, cool. uh, but, but yeah, so, like, it's, for me, the, the fun part's the journey. And, yeah. and if I can be a part of other people's journey, that's awesome. Yeah. Perfect. Thanks, cool. TJ. And I can definitely attest to that because I went through it with TJ. So he's an amazing coach. Highly, highly recommend. Um, amazing person and family man. I just want to say thank you for you know sharing your time with us and sharing your story with us and learned a lot just like sitting through this podcast with you. So it's amazing what what an hour of conversation with people can do, yeah. and that's the best part about it. You know. Wow, what an amazing interview that was with TJ. Right. Like, I've learned so much just listening and sharing his story with us. My takeaway actually was when he had said that, you know, when whenever you're having a bad day, go to someone who's having a worse day and lift them up. And then by lifting them up, you actually absorb the energy and he will, he or she will also lift you up. So I love that. I love that so much. And I'm going to take it, you know, and, and apply it in my own life. Yeah, I think uh, one that resonated really with me, especially now with this trying to stick to a routine. Mm-hmm. And it's really also a matter of putting that routine in a process of trying to reach or attain a certain goal. And for us, even though we're not racing, it's a good reminder that routine helps you create the structure out of life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Definitely. So yeah, I hope you all learned something too um, by listening to TJ. And I just want to say one more time thank you tj for for sharing your your story with us we really appreciate it and 
um, yeah, like he's very open to people, you know, reaching out to him or if anyone needs um, help with swimming or CrossFit, I'm sure, you know, like he's just an email away. And if you want to follow him on Instagram or, you know, learn a little bit more about Fragile X about with his son. All the resources that TJ mentioned will be in the show notes and you can follow him on Instagram mm -hmm. and also on our own socials. I'm Mighty3. And I'm at Linosaurus X. Thank you for listening to another episode of Active Endeavors Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And don't forget to check out our website at activeendeavors.com. And please don't forget to rate us and hit that subscribe button. See you real soon.